Welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode 37. My name is Kyle Versteg. I'm here with my glorious host, uh, with a thick, luscious head of hair and an even thicker, luscious mustache. Uh, you look at him and you think like Art Garfunkel. He's got so you, much. You, you missed, hey, hi, hi all you people today. <laughs> you got me sucked right into it quick. You missed my, my beard. I just shaved my beard off yesterday uh, morning. Yeah, from, from P- PWIP. Yeah, I had a nice, uh, I had a nice, I don't even know what the hell you call that. A goatee? Well, I don't know. It's like the, it's like the, uh, like the, the seventies, the seventies muff beard. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, uh, <laughs> I know you don't even know how to respond to that. Yeah, but. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know what to say there. But it's like, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, today you have, uh, people growing beards on their chin and the opposite sex is removing their beards from their yeah they discovered the razor since the yes. 70s anyway yep. um let's not get too far down that track um <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway so uh but i had a i had a i had a big bushy beard on my chin yesterday and um uh, and I had had it for like I don't know a couple three weeks. My wife just well since PWIP. It. Yeah, my yeah. wife just hates it. She just doesn't like it at all, and and um, she doesn't she doesn't mind the mustache, but she just hates the the whole beard look. Yeah. And so I ended up shaving it off yesterday morning and made her happy. And so I I was so scared. My grandkids just left yesterday morning. I'm all depressed today. Yeah. But um. But they were here for like a week, and we just had a blast. Yeah. We just just absolutely a blast. There's so much fun. Yeah. I'm sure that um, if they were here all the time, I probably would be about ready to choke them out by now like they were my own kids. But Yeah, the, you know, kids are all great and all. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, you know, the thing is, is like they're, when, you, when they're not in the house, like the house is just way like quiet for some reason. Oh yeah, like it's yeah, like yep. dead silence. Yep, and you know? uh, and that's that is kind of weird. Uh, that I had a house full of guests all last week. Literally <laughs> every every night. Whether it was, I mean, my mom was here, my sister was here, my my niece and nephew was here, my sister in law, my other niece was here, my all my kids were here, Good and God. we ate every night. I mean, ate something every night i mean i i i bought a i bought a uh a whole beef loin oh my gosh like you cut new york strips out of yeah i had i bought a whole one of them and <laughs> for and cut cut those up into steaks yeah. and grilled them two two nights yeah i mean it was uh i mean it was we had a good time That's just had cool. a eight you know had just had a blast yeah and um but what was awesome is my i i've got a um my two-year-old is my two-year-old grandson is just about on the edge of being potty trained. And what was awesome was the fact that I could say, eh, "I don't have to change the diaper. You're stinky. Go to your daddy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is which was fun. Yeah. 
but um but no we had a we had a grand time my kid my my uh jim and his uh and his wife are doing uh are doing a thing called bravery bullets okay and um they're a piece of jewelry that they're selling in like boutique stores that uh-huh. he's they're wholesaling it only but um but a portion of their of their uh um profits go to the Alaskan Healing Hearts, which is the group that um, Ken Onion is involved with. Yeah. And I guess they, they've they already donated enough money to send a soldier to some bear hunt in Alaska. Oh, cool. Which is pretty neat. Uh, he just was telling me that he got some kind of an email the other day about that. Oh. Which is pretty awesome. But Alaskan Healing Hearts is a, is a nice organization. Um, cool. That that Ken's involved in, Ken Onion is involved in, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it was kind of nice that Jimmy picked that up as a as a, um, a nonprofit to donate money to. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's a, he's a soldier. Jimmy is so mm-hmm. that's and that's why. But they have he he makes these he takes um, two two three brass or five five six brass military brass mm-hmm. that he gets from the base and instead of getting reloaded and getting sent back to the base they get them reloaded sans primer and powder mm-hmm. and they decorate them and make uh they put some kind of they put like crystals on them mm-hmm. and they basically make a neck chain hanging um decorative piece of jewelry okay and they're pretty cool they I guess they're i guess they sell them in Nashville. They sell them in Dallas. So I guess they're real popular in Texas. Okay. Um, but what's kind of cool, like I said, is they're they're actually uh, um, brass that the soldiers actually use. That's cool. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Kind of neat, anyways. And so I got that, and they he was up here, and he was kind of showing us the process how he goes how he makes them and stuff. That was kind of fun, and didn't take a ton of pictures. It's not. I mean, every time we were doing something, they wanted grab my camera yeah so what have you been doing we've been looking for mushrooms but it's been too cold yeah i haven't i haven't gotten out i've been freaking busy um i want to go out for them but i just haven't haven't gotten there yet uh, been finishing up uh bowie knives and sending them off and i sent off uh one just now to chuck sims Mm, cool. And uh, William Eccles got one, and a bunch of other people. One went to a Marine. So uh, that's cool. People are that's liking pretty them. Awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. But you sending me one? <laughs> got 300 bucks. <laughs> Tight ass. That's fine. I remember that. Uh, I don't know that no. you'd like them. I, don't, I remember that. Dude, I've already given you, like, tons of knives. <laughs> You've never given me one, so what? <laughs> what knife have you given me? I don't know. I yeah. don't remember what I give away. Yeah, so I didn't. Gi- I never give you one. No, I've never given and you I, a knife. It's fine. I, I don't. I don't give something expecting something in return. You know, that's not. That's not why I give people stuff. But um, yeah, so I've been doing that. Uh, Knife-wise, and then I've been getting ready for this trip that I leave for in a couple days. 
Yeah, you're going to go trudging across the, the mountains, huh? Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, you have big blisters on your feet. Yeah, probably. Um, Get I'll, some Mercer boots and put them on your feet. Yeah, it's, I, well, I'm renting, <laughs> renting the boots, you know, so hopefully that'll, hopefully they'll have some wear and tear on them so that I'm not, you know, breaking uh, them in from the inside out. You probably don't, uh, they probably don't even push wool socks anymore, do they? Yeah, they do. They well, still do? Well, yeah, they said, um, I guess uh, I can look it up. Um, but they, I think I remember say, seeing that they wanted you to wear wool. It's, uh, let's see, they got this pretty extensive gear list. Pretty crazy. Um, I thought that that was a, I thought that that was a, um, kind of a thing that's gone to the past now. Everybody's doing yeah, people a are, lot of... People are fucking crazy, uh, if they're, if they're saying not to wear wool. Yeah. Um... Yeah, well, I know. I don't say. I don't say that. Well, they, I, I still. Yeah. I still wear a lot of wool. I, I wear wool and if for socks in in every environment, you know, yeah. especially if they're going to be wet all the time, yeah. um, and you know, like they're just they're just better, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so that's that's what I wear for for socks. Um, they they recommend wool or synthetic either, or probably a blend, um, but I like I like wool socks for stuff. But, uh, are you yeah. gonna take your Are you gonna take your uh, um, drone with you? My drone? No. Yeah. I'd have sure. to hike him up into the. I could gotta carry everything up, you know. Yeah. So we're we're having a, a kind of a sounds like on the first day, kind of a heck of a climb. We it'll, you know we have uh, you have to bring all of your gear and climbing gear and everything um, for twelve days. So you can imagine, and that that you know, including your food. So logistically, that's that's a somewhat dis- difficult uh, prospect, at least at least right. from the food standpoint. Is is, uh, um, is that part of that to separate the men from the boys? Well, uh, I don't know, I don't know, but I I know that the the first camp that they are taking us to, there's a um, like a. 3,000 foot elevation change from where you uh, from where you leave the vehicles to where the camp is and a, a 3,000 foot elevation change even on a trail is pretty damned you know right yeah I mean that's, how, how, that's what, nothing to what elevation at. are you starting at uh, I'm not sure but I know the the first camp is um, is they they listed uh, they li- somewhere they listed the um, the camps and it was like uh, it was like three thousand was where you started and like six thousand is where you camp at. Um, so that's quite. So you're a, gonna be you're gonna be feeling the effects of smoking cigars. Well, I've been pretty good. You know, I only smoke one every once in a while. It's not like yeah. I have them all the time. I you know maybe one a month. Uh, and I, I'm not a smoker. I'm really not uh, too much of a drinker, so you know it should be okay. You know. You're in pretty good shape. You've been running. Yeah, I run three miles every day and six miles on the weekend. So I I, I got some miles. I got a good base of fitness, um, cardiovascular wise. But you know altitude and dealing with that is a whole another ball of wax. 
Yeah, people don't realize how much difference that makes. Yeah. Well, because when, we, when I went out to the Boulder Outdoor Survival School, the, their base camp, I think, is like at seven or 8,000 feet out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, okay, well, you need to go do a three-mile run. And I'd been training, and I'm like, you know, I can, I can very, very comfortably do seven-minute miles. You know, that's, that's typically where I will run that or a little bit faster. 6.45 to 7 is where I run my half marathons at. You know, and so I can very easily run at that pace. Well, at, up at 8,000 feet, I was like at 10 and a half minutes and just about dying. <laughs> you know, so that's that's how much difference the elevation makes. Um, so so if you're gonna if you're gonna fight, fight in the lowlands. Or yeah, well, what you want to <laughs> do is you want to train at elevation and then come down to uh, the lowlands to, to yeah. do your fighting. That's what a lot of cyclists will do is they'll train in the mountains and then they'll race, you know, you know, at, at a lower elevation. Is that a train? Is that a plane flying by? Uh, it's a mower. Yeah, we got some mowing going on. And so we don't even have we don't even have enough grass to mow yet. We're just getting there right now. So. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So I got a, I got a new toy. What'd you get? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jim's holding this. Uh, it's one of these lever action. It's it's a rifle, but they call it a pistol because it's got like a sawed-off stock. It's a mare's leg. Yeah, is what, they, is what the official term is for it. Okay, mare's leg. And and then and then it's 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 chambered in thirty-eight slash three fifty-seven. Yeah. And then it's got for the, uh, it's got it's a lever action, and then it's got, it's got a one of those big, big cowboy rigs. Yeah, big huge <laughs> cowboy-sized uh, lever on it. John Wayne cowboy rig. Yeah. I, I've actually shot one of those. This guy I know that I bought my um, uh, eight, uh, 1851 Navy from. Uh, he had he had one of those, and I shot it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm gonna um. I'm going to uh, rig up a uh, some kind of a sheath to go on the outside of my my big pack for that. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> you know, just have it up there so I can just freaking grab it. You should have uh, Dwayne from Armor All Leather make you one, a little Dundee rig. Yeah. Make it Molly compatible and just strap, just put it on the side. Yep. You know, so yep, because when the, when the apocalypse comes, the zombie apocalypse, that's going to be a good zombie gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> zombies. Crazy. What? <laughs> you don't believe in zombies? My wife says, there's no zombies. Well, I'm okay, thinking so, they're zombies. So here's my take on it, all right? And I don't mean to get all philosophical and stuff, but, like, um, I've seen people, like, that that I thought were, like, decent, like, upstanding people turn into complete scumbag monsters. And so I think the whole zombie thing is is a... I mean, pretty much every culture has something like that in it, and I think that's... Um, people reacting to they can't explain the monstrous behavior of people that they thought were like decent people you know so hmm. it, yeah 20 2011 I 2010 and 2011 I just saw massive amounts of just scumbag behavior out of people and I cut a lot of people out of my life during that time hmm. uh, 
I I uh, so that was I've already been through the zombie apocalypse and I killed all those motherfuckers. Hmm. <laughs> so I I often think that it's uh there was a period of time that that they were talking about it being Democrats. <laughs> the zombies are Democrats because they follow blindly toward you know toward the smell of food. <laughs> Oh boy, you're gonna get us in trouble. Yeah, well, worse things have happened. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> well, and they feed on. They get their sustenance by eating other people. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, people the that are non <laughs> non zombies or non uh, non Democrats. Well. So did you hear the speaking of Democrats? Our son of a bitch in our state, uh, state senator, our uh, um, U.S. senator from our state, Carl Levin, is a cocksucker. What happened? He's he's about ready to retire, and I'm sending my state representative freaking text messages today saying that he should be in jail and lose his retirement. Oh, he's part of the IRS scandal. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And of course, that no no other major news organizations are handling the freaking that shit. But his he, there's emails that have showed up. At the IRS office, saying that they should they should target his political opponents. Yeah, you know he's you know he's just freaking freaking guy that should be lined up against the wall and shot. All those guys should be lined up against the wall and just shot. <laughs> You're yeah, advocating violence. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever, whatever. I, and, and he's I, speaking it metaphorically, metaphorically could, people. Yeah, yeah, could be metaphorically. I mean, or not. He's speaking but, metaphorically. He is not. But, but I think. Violence. But seriously, this guy's been in, in office for for X number of years, a, lo- a long, long, long time. Right. And nobody's ever been able to come close to beating him, even though everybody hates him. So it leads me to believe that he's been using these kind of tactics to get reelected for the past whatever how many elections that he's won. Yeah. You know, he's just the sob, and he should be. He should not be allowed to retire. He's probably made enough money off of the freaking system that. That uh, he's probably padded his coffers really quite well. Oh, and he's—I guarantee you—the second he quits Congress, he's got all kinds of no-show jobs lined up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you know, so it's 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 really a, I, I can't even fathom why we have to pay these guys their retirement, a retirement, any kind of retirement, and it's not a little retirement either. It's quite a bit of money. Yeah, yeah, they they retire fat, but um, you know so. So he's so he's one that's like got me just sickened today. Wait until they it. wait until they raise do a one time levy on your property uh, to pay for uh, <laughs> Detroit. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. I really, I really don't. I, I really do not believe that they're going to do that because um, the property owners, I don't think, will stand for that. I don't think you're going to have a choice. Why not? Because they're just going to say, well, I'm sorry you don't like it. You're fucking paying no, it. I'm not. You can fucking send the freaking SWAT team in my front yard. Uh, They will. <laughs> yeah, well, they may. They may try. They may get me. Yeah. But I'll take a lot of them with them. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically, that is. Yes. Jim, Jim is doing a lot of metaphorical speaking today, people. So just calm your ass down. Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Do you remember that... Um, uh, remember the John Wayne movie, with the Green Berets? 
Yeah. And there was a uh, a South Vietnamese. Um, was he a lieutenant or a captain? That uh, had all of these claymores and fugas devices set up for the to protect the wire. Mm-hmm. And uh, toward the end of one of the major battles, he ends up dying. And one of the the uh, another captain, his counterpart, says to the colonel, "Yeah, he bought the farm, but boy, he took a lot of them with him." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, I was reading about uh, Audie Murphy because I uh, I was the the flight surgeon for uh, Honor Flight, which is where they mm-hmm. take vets and they bring them out to DC and walk them around for a day, and then I'm there just to kind of make sure make sh- medically everything's okay. And uh, I we stopped by Arlington, and uh, right where we stopped the bus by the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Uh, was Audie Murphy's grave. So I've been kind of reading a little bit about him. That guy was a badass. Oh, yeah. Like, I hate to tell you that, but, like... <laughs> yeah, very interesting hillbilly, isn't he? Well, he, he he sounded like a tough bastard, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. All those guys were back then, though. Yeah. Most of them. You know, it, it was... It used to, I mean, those people used to scrap all the time. We don't even fight anymore. Yeah, because you get sued is the problem. You break somebody's yeah. face and you're gonna get sued. Yep. I, I every single time someone comes to the ER with a busted up face, there's gonna be a lawsuit. Every yep. time. You know, they're either yep. gonna sue the guy that did it, and if they can't do that, then they're gonna go after somebody's uh you know, uh mortgage insurance or they'll find a way, but they will sue every single time. And so right. it just does not make sense. Um, to get involved in that. So, nope. nope. You better off just burying them. <laughs> Shoot, shovel, and <laughs> shut up. Damn, yeah. you're violent no, today. Somebody, metaphorically speaking, something crawled into <laughs> your. Uh, into oh, your... I just it's just been one. It's just been one of those days where I'm just annoyed with. I'm annoyed with all of these people that get away with shit. My, you know, I don't know. Just I'm not in a good mood today. Huh. My kid, my grandkids are gone. So they've taken like the the all the happy cheer and rainbows and unicorns out of my life for the for the next little bit and yeah. So I'm kind of on that kind of on that depressed feeling today. I can't seem to get up today. You know, can't get into a grand mood. Hmm. You know, I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at my news feeds and I'm seeing, you know, the veterans bullshit that's going on in the in the in the VA. I'm seeing the Benghazi bullshit that's going on in Benghazi, and I'm seeing the the uh, IRS scandal, and and nobody's, you know. And I started watching the the um, um, the nine the nine uh, eleven memorial museum was just opened up today. Yeah, they dedicated it, and um, our chump in chief basically. Stood up there and said, "Well, we got Bin Laden," and then I shut it off. And I was like, "You're a fucking ass." Yeah. I, I and I just I was like, "What the hell? Really? Doesn't know any better? Nobody's freaking informed him that that's gauche." <sighs> you know, I, it just makes me sick when I hear him act like that. 
Well, and oh, then we 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 got him. It's you know, but you know, what well, since then we got him. But you know what? Guess what? It wasn't the that wasn't the point. Yeah, it's the not. Point was it's to not stop like, terrorism. Well, and the and then the problem is, is like he's looking at this as it's like a he's World one dimensional. War, yeah, it's like it's World War Two, and you're taking out Hitler, and that'll stop the war. Yeah, you know, it's not he's, that he, way. It's he is it, so one dimensional. It's not even funny. Yeah, it's it's not that. I don't even way. know if you it's could a, be one dimensional. Can he be one dimensional? I don't know. I I don't care. Honestly, it, I'm just counting the days till he's gone. I don't give a shit about him. I don't want to hear about him. I don't want to think about him. Well, and that's and that's what I I thought. You know, um, Bush didn't go to for whatever reason. He didn't go to that to that thing. It probably was because he was outnumbered by the Democrats and Bloomberg and everybody else that was basically, you know, berating him. And and it's like a big political opportunity, you know, for for everybody else to show up there. And he probably said, you know, I don't want to go and be a distraction for what this should be. Right, exactly. He was being respectful and letting the current yeah. president have his time. You know, that's yeah. that's typically what you do. And and the current president acts like a ninny. Yeah. 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 They're ha- tell hashtag, some little story. hashtag diplomacy. Yeah, <laughs> bring back our girls. They're, well, first of all, they're Nigerian, so maybe yeah. Nigeria should bring back Nigeria's girls. Okay, yeah. number one. Or maybe he should go help help over there. Maybe he should get on a fucking yeah. plane and fly over there and hang out for a while and bring back his hashtag girls. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. So here's the thing: all you people who and think that having a hashtag is like actually doing something, if you if you want to bring them back, okay. <laughs> You get your ass on a plane and go over there and find them. You can do that. Like, you can fly into that country. You can pay the money to to get uh, mercenaries to go with you. And you can go in there and try to find them. You got the money? You know, you can you can make that happen. Um, but, but sitting there on your little stupid phone, like, hashtag whatever and putting stupid sad photos, you're just adult. You're just stupid. You know, I don't want to get started, man. Don't. Hashtag. Yeah. I, I, a while back, I was like, if I don't see another fucking hashtag again in my life, I'll be happy. Hashtag fucking happy. <laughs> hashtag, I'm going to fly my drone over your house and spy on you, shithead. <laughs> hashtag, I don't give a shit. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag, you're an idiot. Hashtag. Yeah. Let's have some hashtags, boys. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. Yeah, I, I hate it. I, I just freaking smile, un, unhappy hashtag. <laughs> like, what, the fu- what does this fucking mean? It doesn't mean any. It's 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 a way that they like group together posts. So like, say you and I wanted to post about um, a, a K bar knife, right? A certain model of K bar. Like, say we want to post about the pork belly or whatever. What's the name of that uh, pot belly? Yeah, pot belly. So It'd be hashtag which, pot which, belly. Which, by the way, people, I like that K bar pot belly. Um, but, okay. but so, so we just do hashtag K bar pot belly, and then every time, um, every time one of us posted, if you were following that hashtag, it would, it would, you would see that post. You know, but I, I don't. I mean, I have a uh, Twitter account, but I haven't been on it in like two years or something. So that, so this is a Twitter thing, or is, is this a Pinterest Twitter. thing, or is well, it, it started, a pop thing? Well, it started on Twitter, and what you would do is you would put like the little number sign, and then like, I'm a dork or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you wanted to start a hashtag, and then other people would post 
messages and then put a put that hashtag on there and then you you know if you look for if you search for the hashtag then you could see all the messages that came up with that hashtag in it so it was just a way for people to have like um you know kind of mass discussions all at once but people are hashtagging everything now yeah so this is stupid i so i i i have i don't know and then i think facebook uh Facebook started that too. Started having hashtags, but I don't. I don't really understand how they work it. But no. Well, hashtag they can go fuck themselves. Hashtag. <laughs> Man. Okay, so I'm not honking any of this out, people. So you can just. You well, know. you know what? Don't. I mean, it's like annoying. Yeah, I know. It's like I get. I get. Uh, um. Somebody posts something with. There you go. Everybody, you want to hear my new horn? This thing is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's like so incredibly loud. You blast this off, and you can hear it like on the street outside my house. <laughs> <laughs> what? It, where's your siren at? Oh, my siren's downstairs. Uh, I, That's I, pretty funny. Yeah, that you've that been playing that. Too. Yeah, I blast it off every once in a while. It freaks out the kids and the dog and everybody. Everybody gets all ramped up when I do it. So Hash, hashtag freaks out. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But. Well, now that we're done with beating up on the hashtags, who else can we beat up on? Oh, well, hipsters are always a convenient target. Yeah. But I think that I'm not understanding hipsters. I really don't get it. I don't. I don't understand what they're trying to be. Well, so so here's a here's a little story for you, right? So when we lived in Louisville, uh, I lived out by uh, the St. Matthew's Mall. I had a little apartment out there, uh, and uh, we'd go out there to you know they had like a little noodle shop out there, and I'd go out there sometimes, or we'd go out there to walk around and you know whatever. Uh, and they had a Williams and Sonoma and a, uh, a Brooks Brothers. So I'd go out there with my wife and we'd walk around. Well, like one day, like all of a sudden overnight, these kids showed up. Uh, there's these, there's, there's this like subgenre of like looks. Like apparently, like you have to have like some sort of a look. Like maybe you dress up as a cowboy or an Indian or something, you know. Well, there was like this. There was this uh, subgenre of looks called emo kids, right? And they were the kids that would have like their <laughs> hair like down like this in front of their eye, and they'd oh, be yeah. like sad all the time and like, Ooh, yeah. you know. Well, so like overnight, those kids that were this emo look, all of a sudden they they changed just slightly, but they changed enough that you could tell it was a different look. 
Like, all of a sudden, they were wearing, like, um, T-shirts from, like, obscure bands, and then those, like, white belts with the studs, you know, like, the, the pyramidal <laughs> studs. Like, okay. And then, and then they would have, um, not, not the studs, like, on a vicious dog collar, like, the, the little pyramid. You're talking about the jewels. Yeah, but but it's, it's so it'd be like a white vinyl belt with that, and then they'd have like skinny jeans. And this was right at the very beginning of this whole skinny jeans thing. And like I don't understand how anyone who's ever done any physical activity can fit into those. Like my, I, I if I tried to, I couldn't even fit one of my calves down there, that down into the thigh portion of that because you know because I run and I've I lifted weights and skied and did all this stuff when I was a kid, so I've got, like, some muscle mass in my legs. So I, I couldn't I couldn't dream of wearing those things. But anyway, they showed up, like, overnight. And then I think those were called scene kids, right? And then, like, a couple years later, now we have hipsters, which are the evolution of them. Like, they got a couple years older, and then they could, like, finally grow a beard. Although a lot of them have to get, like, beard transplants now. And so... <laughs> Um, no, that's true. You can Google that shit. But, but they, they like, uh, so they got like a couple years older and they, they started like, they had a little bit of disposable income and they could like grow a mustache and they grow these like ridiculous, like waxed, like 1800s mustaches. And then like, they got like, they started having some disposable income. So one thing I do like about hipsters is that they like good shit. Mm-hmm. Like hipsters would love your coffee pot or your coffee maker. <laughs> like that's that's like something like really? that is exactly what hipsters would want. Like some some crazy coffee maker that does things like so precisely and perfectly. Your yours and would definitely that's that would make all hipsters drool. Wow. You know, so they get they get kind of really into b- boutiquey kind of things and I've kind of been that way my whole freaking life. You know, I've kind of always sought out, like, things like that. So I, I kind of respect them for that. But then why why do you have to look like everyone else? Like, I don't understand it. Why can't you just, like, rock your own look? <laughs> but, I rock my own look. Yeah. Uh, it's like a combination of uh, uh, Telly Savalas and, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Thomas Magnum. Thomas Magnum, Magnum PI. Yeah, yeah. It's like Thomas Mag, Thomas Magnum, and Telly Savalas. There you go. Up. Only skinnier than Telly Savalas. Yes. But with the and mustache. not as and not as tall as Tom Selleck. <laughs> How tall is Tom Selleck? He's real tall. He's like six foot something, six foot four or something like that. Huh. He's he's quite tall. Yeah, the ladies loved that guy back in the <coughs> my uh, my cousin actually dated his body double. When she lived in Australia or hmm. New Zealand or Hawaii or something like that, I don't remember. Cool. But she actually dated his 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 second in that show. That's cool. Which is pretty funny. Yep. Yeah. So this weekend, this weekend is the big weekend up here for Northern Lights Family Outfitter hosts hosts a huge event up in Levering, Michigan called Redneck Days. Oh boy. And Redneck Days, they have a barbecue cook-off, you know, whole hog barbecue cook-off. Right. So there's like there's like ten contestants up here, I guess that that compete. There's like ten so there's, rednecks in your whole damn state, dude. 
<laughs> you guys are pretty like, damn yuppie up by where you live. I don't know they, where they're they going to find them. <laughs> they have um, moonshine. There's a couple of moonshiners up here that I are, could, I gotta that are stay uh, away from that stuff. making moonshine and have been for a long time. Yeah. And um, uh, so it's going to be kind of fun. Big bands playing and everybody's going up there and getting shit-faced and yeah. all the cops stay away because of... They're, they're, they, we everybody would outnumber the police officers up here. That's funny. <laughs> so yeah, I'd have to stay away from that moonshine up there, man. That stuff is wicked. It sneaks up. Oh, on I know you. it. I know it. I know it. And I'm not accustomed to strong drink. <laughs> yeah, it's called the. Uh, it's called the annual. Let's see. Officially called. Who's the next redneck meat master? Um. Trying to get the uh, get the flyer and the annual the annual Redneck Day family reunion music by the cousins and Ten Feet Tall and ATV Poker Run and something about the Lumberjack Shadow and then the annual Redneck Cookoff Muckmaster Slider competition. Hmm. And the Redneck Meat Master competition. Nice. We were supposed to have uh, the Great Lakes Bladesmith Society hammer in up there, right? Yeah, that would have been the following weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that'd be... That's, uh, that's my actually my birthday weekend. Ah. Uh, yeah, my birthday. I'll be summiting a mountain that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you see the picture of my? Uh, oh yeah, I guess you did. You po- you commented on it of the Oriole and the yes, Grosbeak fighting I, it out. That's like <laughs> you're so lucky to ha- have both of them at the feeder at the same time. They're fighting over grape jelly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get I get uh, Grosbeaks and I get Orioles, but separately. I've never seen them there together. They um. I'm laughing because I posted some pictures on my Facebook. Of the of a gross beak and an oriole fighting, literally there was an immature oriole and a mature gross beak, and the mature gross beak was flexing his muscle a little bit, and and uh, I think had the full size oriole been there, I don't think he'd have got run off that quick, because because I have an oriole right now that's floating around the backyard, that is humongous. I mean he's like he's way bigger than this guy that's in the in the picture, uh-huh. and the gross beak is just you know just being a shit. And he chases him off. And uh, Jason from uh, DLT Trading mm-hmm. just posted, <laughs> shit just got real at the bird feeder. It's <laughs> funny. Yep. But I, but I was having a problem. My wife got that. It's like two trays hanging, you know, from a, from a piece of wire that you put grape jelly in. And yeah. it works really well, and it, they love it. But if it rains out, it, it gets all... You know, drains out and gets all d- diluted and stuff, so they don't they don't like it so much. So I put a grabbed a piece of tin and I zip tied it to the to the top of that ship, shepherd's crook, and now it's got a little like a Quonset hut over the top of the. Oh yeah, yeah. Over the top like, of the uh, feeder. You know, when I was a, a baby, uh, I was born in Chicago and we lived in a, a housing project, a real, real deal. This is the real thing housing project. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, on, the south si- on the south side? No, north side. Um, up by there's some towers up there. I want to say by Devon Street. Okay. Which um, I'd have to get the exact name of the place from my dad, but they're still there, and they were there when I was in medical school. But um, uh, then we moved to uh, Iowa City because my uh, dad was a resident in Iowa City, and we lived in uh, married student housing. And uh, at the time, they were Quonset huts. <laughs> so I lived in a Quonset hut. And I remember uh, nice. when it would rain, you could hear the rain real well on the metal there. I remember that. I, I didn't. Nice. I mean, when you're a kid, you don't know the difference. You know, I, I thought it was a, a fine place to live. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm, uh, I'm pretty, uh, pretty lucky with, at, at my childhood. I didn't grow up in a project. Well, I didn't grow up in one either. That that's preposterous. But you know, I was born into one, and I lived there for must have been uh, I don't know at, le- at least a year, probably probably a little longer, Hit, a couple of years. Here's a qu- here's a quote from a famous movie. Name that tune. <clears throat> I was born oh, yeah, a yeah, poor yeah. black that's, child. <laughs> that's um that's uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I I'm not claiming any. That's nonsense, the most. That's one of the funniest lines in the whole. Yeah, I know. <laughs> in any movie that I've seen, in and a he long had time. no rhythm, <laughs> which no. is which is which is absolutely <laughs> true. My my wife was a music teacher, and uh, that you know, some every once in a while, cause she, I mean, she taught in the inner city public schools, but every once in a while there'd be uh, some like little nice little white boy, and she could never get them to learn rhythm. <laughs> they they could funny. never, they they just don't get the concept. It's funny. That's just the funniest thing. Yeah. Well, that's a funny movie, but yeah, I like the movie. It's there's some stuff in it that I think would people would look uh, look askant at today. But uh, what? Oh, oh I, yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, movies back then were pretty raw. You know, there's this scene in. Uh, speaking of which, I I played like a two second audio clip uh, when you held up that. Uh, knife from Ontario last week. Uh, I said it's Trejale Lake, Coco. Um, there's this scene in Fame. It was a 1980 movie, right? Right. And the girl, uh, her name is Coco, C O C O, and she's like this aspiring actress, whatever, aspiring singer, and she wants to get into film. So she answers this ad in a newspaper or whatever that this guy's going to film in the south of France. So she goes to uh, his apartment in, like, Brooklyn or something. <laughs> you know, and she's, like, walking up. And it's this is a high school kid, you know, so they're depicting a high school kid. And the guy's like, uh, well, you know, uh, come on in, Coco, and all this. And he's like, I'm French. And it, clearly he's an Italian from fucking Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, he's got, like, this terrible... And he's saying all this stupid shit in French, you know, like, just... Anybody would know Monsieur he's Poupou. not French. Yeah, he's like... And he says, Et vous, Coco, et vous, and all this. You know, he says all this crazy stuff. And then he's like... So he puts her on camera, and he's like, uh, Unbutton your top. And she's like, what? It's like, yeah, just take your top off. She's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, take your top off. And so she like she's like starts unbuttoning it and she's she like cries and all this and he's like now take your thumb and put it in your mouth. You know, and this is like a, a older guy that's saying this to a high school kid. Like you would never you would never put that in a movie today ever. And that was in Fame? Fame. 
Yeah, I'll that play was the, the one with the dancing. Yeah, I'll play the I'll play the entire scene here so that people can people can hear what I'm talking about. But yeah, it was uh, <laughs> that that was an, in a in a movie about like high school kids. Or how about um, the movie uh, the movie one of my favorites, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh yeah, they're like these these girls are like freshmen in high school and they're like getting boned like in some nasty you know baseball dug out you know like they, they used to put stuff like that in movies i just can't imagine that now you know well they used to be true well yeah i was in high school well i, I, was, in I was in high school too but i was i was not involved in any of that kind of shenanigans no woman wanted anything to do with me um well i can't i can't help that <laughs> well yeah i know it's it's one of those things you either have it or you don't and i don't yep yep so well but uh knife wise um ooh lots of stuff happening yeah let's um so everybody i've said this before uh one of the first real high quality fixed blade knives i ever bought was a bark river boon 2 and i bought that from knives ship free and I still have it, and it's still one of my all-time favorite knives. Um, so it's a it's it, a great knife. It's a Bowie knife with a stacked leather handle, and it's got my my model has a single guard on it, and it's got a fuller. I mean, it's just a really awesome, cool knife. It's the first knife I ever bought that had a full convex edge on it. I mean, it, it's just a fantastic knife. Well, they're re-releasing it as the. Um, so they're releasing the Boone, which is double guarded, and then the Hunter version, which is single guarded. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Knives Ship Free is going to have those pretty soon. He sent sent out a mass email. That's how I know about it. And then uh, there was what something awesome, else. Oh, they awesome they've got piece. an LMAX uh, gunny coming out, right? Yep, yep. Gonna gonna step into the arena of LMAX. Yeah. Now Mike says that it it has to be a very specific heat treat for that in order right. to take advantage of the steel. So I'm sure they've got that that one figured out real well. Yep. That's one thing about his about him. He he doesn't like to make anything without um without knowing that it's gonna it's gonna absolutely perform the way it's supposed to perform. Yeah, and they, you know, the, he described the heat treat process for that A2. It's insanity, <laughs> like the steps that they go through to get that right. You know, yep. it, it's insane the amount of stuff that they do. Um, yep. But I'm sworn to secrecy. Uh, but the um, the other day I called up there to order some more buffing compound. So people, here's a learning here's a learning opportunity. <laughs> So I don't know everything, obviously. So when I when I was putting the buffing compound on, you know, the, it's this top secret stuff that I'm not supposed to say what it is, but uh, you have to keep it cold in the refrigerator, and then you take it out, and then you have to wrap it back up and put it back in the refrigerator. And uh, when I was putting it on the buffing wheels, I was putting it on full speed. So it was just like splattering it all over the place. Well, yeah, making the wife very happy. Right, but I put down paper and all this, and it was never like it was never like getting um, applied to the wheel correctly. Because I I went back and I watched some video from when I was at Bark River, and I'm like, how the hell 
are their buffing wheels like so thickly coated with this stuff? Like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't even approach that. And so I, I did a Google search, and I found uh, that you're supposed to put it on with the with the wheels at real slow speed. So you just right. kind of turn the switch on and off, turn the switch on and off, turn the switch on and off, and so that it, it melts onto there and it doesn't splatter it everywhere. So as a result, half of the half of my sticks of that stuff are gone. And and so in the in the paper yeah in on the wall <laughs> on the floor on the ceiling on the paper and so I ordered I called up and ordered some more of that but now I know how to put it on so it'll last a lot longer um, cool but uh, let's see what else is going on knife wise um I think I'm thinking that the uh, kind of getting the idea that the um, um, Maybe something's going on in the tactical world, like like people are not excited about as tactical stuff as they were once were. Um, I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. I mean, it, it seems like there's been a lot of a lot of call for t- more traditional looking knives again, which in my book is fine. I yeah, I think that that's kind of cool to to have that connection with the past. Yeah. Um, in and in, in more modern steels, I guess. Yeah. Well, and then, and then so you know, like the the obviously the first knife that I ever made with my company is that is a basically a modernization of the Marine Raider Bowie or the V44 knife. And mm-hmm. and I've I've sold the hell out of those things. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like uh I think there is kind of a yearning to have knives that don't look like, you know, the bottom from a ninja shop. <laughs> Klingon. Yeah, you know, but and there's some examples of knives that that I think really fit that bill, and then there's there's examples of ones that are kind of hybrids. Mm-hmm. Like I think, um, I mean, I think the hybrid stuff is is okay, but the the knives that I'm specifically thinking about are. Are ones that have the basically the flat-sided, uncomfortable, you know, G10 or micarta slab handles, right? And uh, you know all this crazy stuff with, uh, you know, these sharp grind, you know, every single edge is sharpened and, you know, ninja stuff. That's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So what we were, what we were talking about? Tactical knives. And, oh um, yeah, some changing and, tastes. Yeah, I think there. I, I, I have the feeling that, that that we're starting to see a little bit of a shift and in, back into some traditional, traditional looking and functioning knives, rather than having stuff that. I don't want to degrade everything and just call it silly, but. Well, I hate to do that. It's it's silly to me. A knife is silly if. If it won't perform any particular function with any particular, you know, ease. Yes. And a knife is silly if it has an uncomfortable handle. Um, right. You know, and the, I, I could list a bunch of really extremely silly knives just based on the handle, but I won't. Um, uh, but, you know... Like Mike says, 
there's a there's a it's really difficult to balance the aesthetics of the handle um, with the ergonomics of the handle and and still have a knife that you can sell. Um, Correct. And but I still think that you can you can make a knife uh, that will sell that still has a comfortable handle and. Um, I mean, I can prove that because I'm doing it. So, you know, I think the, one of the most silly things about tactical knives are that they put these ridiculous handles on them with sharp angles and all this stuff, and then um, and no, you know, no usable basically elements to it. But anyway, like tr try to go out and. And use, you know, some, pick your favorite tactical fixed blade. You know, take that out and do something with it and tell me how that works for you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I concur. I concur. So I've been using that, uh, at Grants for a splitting mall quite a bit. Yeah, how's it working? It's not bad. Yeah. It's really not that bad. Um, I, I drug up a big old maple that I was splitting the other day and um obviously it doesn't go through everything like butter but it does seem to be very effective uh-huh um you know if you hit it in the wrong spot it doesn't go in you know it's it's kind of interesting to see uh you know like I said it's not like a lightsaber that anywhere you shove it in it's going to go right through it doesn't um but but I've been I've been putting it through a been put, put it through its paces lately. Yeah, yeah. We, we and, put it. Uh, we put it through three or four trees at PWIP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which reminds well, me, I've now got I'm, a lot of videos I have to make from that. I've just been so busy lately. I'm gonna get one out before I go. What, now, when are you? Are you? You're hopping a flight when? Uh, I have to drive down to Des Moines on Saturday afternoon, and then I fly out Sunday morning. So I've got uh -huh. uh, I've got uh, tomorrow and uh, during part morning on Saturday to put something together. I'll get something out there, though. maybe on the trackers. I got to edit this yet. <laughs> <laughs> get this out. Yeah. Then people won't be now. You're gonna be gone for two weeks. Two whole weeks. Yeah. So people are gonna. Well, they'll have to listen to uh, Knife Thursday. Uh, and listen to our friend Anthony Scalambrini on um, his uh, Gear Geeks Live podcast. All right. So there's a there's some options out there for you. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I uh, was in the car yesterday and I was listening to uh, Hardcore History. Yeah, my favorite. And I was listening to the the World War One. Yeah, yeah. The start of the start of World War One. Yeah, so he's got four. He's got four of those. Are you on American Peril or are you on uh, something the Armageddon one? Uh, I think it's American Peril. Yeah, it's the one where he starts out talking about Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's no, that's the that's the um, he he talks about that one in the Armageddon one, I think. Where he's where he's um, let's see if I can find which one it is. It's it's the one where he's talking about how one person can change history and not even realize one. Yeah. You know, if you if you picked people that, you know, who who was the most influential people in history in the last hundred years. Yeah. And he talks about Lee Harvey Oswald being a nobody. Yeah. 
And, you know, if you believe that he's just a nobody, that he could completely change history like that. Yeah, and that's why and all they, these conspiracy theories pop up, because you don't right, want exactly. to believe that just some nobody douchebag is, is able is to totally turn doing the world that. on its head. And then he takes, the, he takes that and stretches it back to prior to World War I with the guy that actually kills the... Yeah. The... Uh, Archduke um, of Ferdinand or Archduke, whatever. Yep, yep, exactly. And so it's it's kind of interesting. So they talk about what was going on politically during that period of time. And, you know, we're only talking, we're not talking that long ago. You know, 100 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Almost, it'll be almost over 100 years ago in, in a couple of years. But we're talking 100 years ago. You know, we're talking about czars and kings and and um, em and emperors. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's interesting. And I don't know if anybody... Uh, I was trying to get my kid to listen to it, but he was busy listening to ours. Yeah, we have a pretty good one. And he he loves it. He was saying that he absolutely loves listening to ours. He thinks that the stories are phenomenal. He said they're funnier than shit. Yeah. He gets a kick out of them. I'll have to think of a story to tell this time. I I got so many. Some of them are just crazy. So See, I don't remember which ones I've... I, I get to the point where I don't remember which ones I've told before. Yeah. Um... Because he said he he just heard the one where I cut the tip of my finger off and he was laughing. Yeah. Because he because he remembers that he remembers when that actually happened. Yeah. So the um, you know uh, if if people want to help out our podcast, uh, what you can do is you can go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and uh, you know write us a little review. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, too often uh, people. The only people that want to write you a review are the people that are pissed at you because you said something about Democrats <laughs> or, or you know, whatever, you know. So um, you want to help us out, uh, you know, give us a little prop on the thing. That'd be pretty cool. Um, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, and it's... I, the, wrath, the Wrath of the Cons was actually yeah, that's, extremely interesting. Yeah, that, that one is awesome. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, I think uh, you're you're thinking Blueprint for Armageddon. So he's got three of those out, one, two, and three. Uh, and then uh, I've I've got every single one. I actually went to his store in Baltimore. Um That's what I'm thinking about doing that. Yeah, there it's totally worth it. I've listened to every single one he's ever put out, and they're just awesome. You, I bet you, you really like Prophets of Doom, <laughs> where they, where it was uh, Munster. And those, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, I did like that one. That that was. I did like that one. I thought that was 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 one of the more interesting stories that I've never heard of before. Yeah. Another cool one is uh, when he talks about like ancient Rome and whatnot. He he talks about mm -hmm. uh, he he goes through a big thing with that that but those are in the earlier episodes. I think you have to buy those now. We should make people buy our episodes. <laughs> what does he? What does he charge? What does it's he a, charge? It's a buck. Is it like a dollar a dollar. Yeah, it's like a dollar. No. it's really not bad. That's still that's worth it. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that that's worth it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, because I mean, the amount of research that goes into one of those is is pretty crazy. But let's talk about some some knife stuff. Like, what else do you know? So we talked about the Bark River News. What they've got in the pike. Uh, what else? Is that your dog? Yeah, my dog is on my yeah. lap. He's, it sounds like he's ripping them. No, she snores. 
She uh, she snores. I, it's been the second time. It kind of sounds like you're ripping them. Well, I wish I was. <laughs> if you I feel was, gassy? I'd claim it. No, but I'd like to be. <laughs> um, let's talk about your next project that you're going to okay. do. Head off. Okay, so I we, we had a conversation about knives, and yeah, okay. you were describing okay. a sheep's foot and a. Okay, so this is people. This is going to be a ways down. Um, I'm I'm currently designing it, but it's going to be quite a while before it's in production. So just, but basically, I'm I'm going to talk with Jim here for a bit about the project and try to get mount some ideas off of him and things, so you can see how the process goes um, about coming up with a new design. Um, <coughs> before this one is is released, I have to finish the Bowies, then I have to make. Um, I have uh, some fillet knives that I have to finish up, and then I have uh, 20 neckers to do, and then uh, I've got a bunch of parangs to do, and so, and then I've got expedition knives to do. So this this project is way down there. So don't don't ask for reserving a spot because it's still in the concept stage. Um, but so yesterday, uh, I was talking to Jim on the phone, um, or was, was it yesterday? Yeah, it was. And yeah. uh, I said, you know, I I kind of have this idea to to do a, a knife because my brother came over and he saw that necker and he loved it, but um, he wanted something a little bigger that he can use at work. And so I was thinking about, like, a workman's knife and the kind of things you do with them. And, uh, you know, something that'd be, like, suitable to bring into the workplace that's not going to scare a bunch of people. And, uh, you know, most of what people use a knife for at work are, like, cutting strings and opening boxes and stuff like that. And so, for opening boxes, I want to know where the tip of that knife is. Because I typically use the tip to cut the tape. I want to be absolutely certain where the tip of that knife is. So, my idea was to take the tip of the knife and bring it um, completely in line with the sharp edge. So for a knife to be like that and have a flat sharp edge, you're looking either at a Warncliffe or a sheep's foot. And so I decided, you know, I think I'm going to make a sheep's foot, um, a, a big fixed blade sheep's foot. And so I'm talking to Jim on the phone about this. He's like, oh, well, K-Bar made that like back in ancient <laughs> times. And I'm like, the 30s. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, it's called the yacht knife. And so I nope. I googled the yacht knife, K-bar yacht knife, and it was exactly like what I was thinking. I mean, I think my hand will be a little different, um, and I won't probably make it with a marlin spike, although I certainly could. Um, but uh, I think I'm going to make a, a sheep's foot fixed blade with a with a handle. But that I'm not going to do my typical fat boy handle. I'm going to do a um, a nice slim profile handle so that you know it's a nice lightweight thing it doesn't doesn't bother you too much ambidextrous sheath and i'm thinking of doing the the um forged lon humphrey guard on it although i'm not 100 percent for sure going to do that um so now the question is uh what thickness of steel would you use for that and how tall would you make the blade so by tall i mean from here to here Tall. Yeah, I can't see my video is all screwed up on okay. your side. All right. Um, but you know what? I uh, let me hang on one second. Let me get my uh, 
get my measuring device. I was thinking I was thinking like the blade could be like an inch tall you know so an inch tall from the blade edge to the spine and then you know have it be a sheep's foot so nice and flat straight edge and then uh, I was thinking like a three and a half inch blade or so with about a four and a half inch handle so that, I mean proportionally it's 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 gonna be more handle than blade but you know I, I think you can Make that work. Make it. You're look saying right. three and a half inch blade? Yeah. Would Would you make it four, like a four inch blade, or would you stick with three and a half on that? I would make it three and sixty one sixty fourths. <laughs> Only because I make it just under four. Okay, so three and three and three quarters. Or yeah, three and seven eighths. Okay, something like that. I mean, like I mean that. I'd make it. I'd make it just under, just as, so it can be, so it can pass for under a four inch blade. Okay. Is that because that fits the bill somewhere? Some places that can't have a four-inch blade. Yeah, so you know, if you had a, a three and seven-eighths inch blade, an inch tall, uh, with a sheep's foot, and then I was thinking, you know, I I can't decide whether I how I want to do the handle. Um, I know I want it to be kind of slim profile because I figured out a way to make a slim profile handle without. Um, I, you know, to be honest with you, I would put a, I'd put something like the way Charlie May does his scales, real thin bone yeah, scales. Yeah, that, well, that's kind of what I was looking to do, and then, but then, um, because you know, the guy's not going to be like, if it's a workman's knife, it's not like he's going to be like, you know, carving stuff with it and and using it heavily, you know. So I, I don't think you necessarily have to fill the hand. As well no. as you would for a knife that's meant to be used as a chopper or as um, as something else. I mean, for right. for as much as somebody's actually going to use it, I don't think you have to have like this big crazy handle on it. So then, then the question becomes the handle length, and do you put a little bit of a downward sloping beak on the, on the back of the handle? I I you think know? so. So then, I think what you do. I mean, to be honest with you, I think what you do is instead of trying to redesign the the wheel. Uh huh. I I would find myself one of those K bars, and I would almost identically copy it mm-hmm. because I think you're going to find that the specs that you're saying are what you yeah, just described. Yeah, it's is basically what is the same knife. Yeah, but then you know the the problem being then um, uh, you know 
I, I kind of want to make put my own take on it, but, you know. Well, there's only so many takes you can put on a sheep's foot yeah, that's four inches that's long. There's only so much you can put on a, a... I mean, you can change the handle shape a little bit and still keep it thin mm-hmm. and keep it a, a bone, you know, some kind of a bone, jig bone scale, or if mm-hmm. you don't want to do jig bone, you could do something else like, a, you know, jigged micarta or something like that that would make it look more traditional. I mean, we're talking about something that's that should have a very traditional look. Yeah. yeah. When somebody takes that out in their workplace, everybody should say, oh, my grandpa had one just like that. Yeah. And, so nobody, then, and nobody fears it. Yeah, so then do... Unless your grandpa was like Blackbeard or something like that. Yeah, so then do... Um, <laughs> I was thinking but then, you could do like a, a jig, jig, jig bone uh, slabs on there. I, I will make it full tang. Yeah. And then I was thinking but, of um, putting the Lon Humphrey guard on it. Just right. just so that so that it's not a complete copy and and so that somebody can't just take it and just rip it off, you know. Cause they, people have a hard time ripping that particular feature off, but Oh. Um Speaking of Lon Humphrey, did you happen to catch the knife that he posted the other day? Oh, yeah. The big tactical fighter thing that he has. Yeah, the, it looked looked pretty cool. The handle looked good. Kind of kind of interesting. I don't. I'm not quite sure what the that top thing is for that top notch. But if you catch it, it's, it's an it's an, an attractive knife. Mm-hmm. And I thought I said to Mike yesterday. I said the whole the whole top line is is a Jimmy Lyle clip. Yeah. And, well, and then the the other thing, if you notice, is that the the handle and the um, the handle is not straight in line with the blade. The handle is it is bent like this. The blade is right. bent downwards, you know, like almost like a kukri, but the not not nearly the uh, not nearly the angle there. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, I saw that. That was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he does nice work. Yeah. But back to your project. I mean, I, I think that uh, I mean that's a real, real clean, real clean blade design. Real clean. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not won't be a difficult one to make. No. You, now, if you if you forge in those handles, then uh, then you can't cut. I mean, it's difficult to cut them out, isn't it? Cut them out with a uh, with a uh, water jet. No, you you would just you could easily do that. You could you could water jet them up to the point where um, you need to do the forging step. And then the only thing you would need to do would be to forge them, but I don't I don't think I'm going to do a big enough run for the first one to mess with getting Larry to water jet them out. Uh-huh. Um, I think I'll just I'll just order a, you know an inch tall piece or inch to an inch and a half tall piece of steel and then just uh, make it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you made them out of a, if you made them out of high carbon steel and you just polished the crap out of them so that they're shiny, yeah. they don't rust. Yeah. Then you can make them inexpensively. What do you, um, what do you think I should use uh, for the grind on those? I was thinking like a almost full flat grind with a convex edge. Mm-hmm. Um, it would work. Yeah. You want to make something. You want to make sure something that's real strong because actually, boat knives were designed. We're probably the only real knife that was ever designed to be batoned. Uh-huh. I mean, up until recent history. Right. Prior to that, 
nobody treated their knives like that. Yeah. So, except a boat knife, mm-hmm. a yacht knife, because those those were made back in the day when ships were made of wood and men were made of iron, and my dog has got to go outside. Mm-hmm. So hang on one second. Let me let him out. So cover your ears, peoples. I'm not hearing you screaming. Wow. Well, there wasn't that large vomit of sound coming out. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so, uh, but they, but back then, those guys, they had those knives for, um, they basically were for cutting rope. Yeah. And if you notice, there wasn't a lot of serrations in them. Oh, wait, they didn't use serrations. They used, because they were cutting rope that was, you know, two-inch diameter. Yeah. You know, inch-and-a-half-inch diameter rope. <laughs> They were using, they were batoning those through hemp rope. Hmm. You know, so so it was, uh, so the, the knife actually had a spine, and a lot of them were, um, were full convexed from a thick spine. Yeah. Down to, down to zero. Now, were they, were they like a convex like Mike does? I don't know. Um, some of the more modern versions of that were flat ground with a hollow ground edge. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do um, flat. I'm gonna leave probably. I'm gonna guess a quarter inch of spine at the top, that's, mm-hmm. and then um, and then flat grind, and then uh, put a use a convex edge um, for it. So you make it fairly thick. Yeah. Well, so how then? The, then the next thing is, is I was thinking like eighth inch steel would be the ticket. I, I don't think you have to go any thicker than that because I'm doubting that the original K bar knives were any thicker than that. Mm, I, I'll tell you, quick a minute. Crap. Another another name for that is the K bars K bar sailors rigging knife. Yeah, they're a rigging knife. Yeah. It came that's with, what the, it came that, with that's why they spike. came with a uh, marlin spike. Yes. <laughs> Did you know that um, that Bark River put out a knife almost identical to that? Mm-hmm. I'd never seen that before. Yep. Yeah. I can't remember what the uh, name of it was, though. Okay, so K-Bar rigging knife is 3 and 7 eighths inches long. Okay, so exactly what we were thinking. I don't see the thickness of it, though. Yeah, they made they made one that had a little brass. I don't know if theirs had a little brass guard on it, but you get them, they had a little brass guard on it. Yeah, I saw that. But the it looks like the one that uh, Bark River made um, didn't have a guard. It was just just pretty typical. Uh, but it, not many companies are making a, a, a fixed blade. Uh, 
fixed blade uh, sheep's foot right now. Yeah. Well, I don't think I mean they weren't wildly popular. I I want to say that the uh, that the one that that Bark River did wasn't uh, like flying off the shelves. Uh huh. Seller. I mean that's probably the reason for it was because it's not real. It's called the, it's not real the, it's not real sexy looking. It's called the tusk. Bark River tusk, I guess, is what. Yeah, but you know what? I don't think the tusk was exactly. Well, maybe it is. Yeah, there's maybe it is. I don't think that's what it was intended to be. I think it was more intended to be a utility knife like yours, uh-huh. like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have one on uh, on uh, DLT Trading Company, a tusk in 3V with black canvas mm-hmm. uh, micarta. But that's pretty cool. Well, how long ago do they make those? That's kind of odd that they still have one. <laughs> well, I, actually, I I just clicked on it and it didn't didn't let me. Uh, oh, you can't buy it. I don't think so. Yeah, no, you can't buy it. So they're all out of them. But uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna make one of those eventually. I don't know how many I'll make. Probably just ten, and then mm, call it good. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the thickness of those, but I'd I'd say if you did it eighth inch, I'd say that'd be plenty. Um, maybe a little bit taller than an inch, like maybe an inch and a quarter. I'm thinking inch and a quarter tall, eighth inch steel. Um, the top quarter of which is just. Uh, you're gonna leave that alone, and then the bottom inch you'll flat grind, and then put a, uh, a nice convex edge on it. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be sexy. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to. I I, I I can't comment on how sexy it's gonna be. I personally I like those. Yeah. And I would carry one, and I'd set it up like a like a yacht knife. Yeah. With a sheath with a with a marlin spike. Yeah. But. I, I'm not sure how I don't think any, sexy yeah. people think. Well, they're not. They're probably not going to think it's sexy, but that's why I'm only making a few of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then what you, I mean, what I, you I, do is you personally, I like that style of knife, uh-huh. but I know a lot of people don't like the looks of them. They, they don't look. They're they're too practical. Yeah, they're not. It, it's you know that's and I think that that's might be part of what what drives it. It's such a practical knife. Yeah. I mean that knife with with uh, with with. Coffee ble coffee dyed jig bone handles mm-hmm. is looks pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll probably do and those that. and those and those knives actually actually bring a lot of money. Those those old yacht knives bring a lot. Yeah, of money. Yeah, you can't find them. I've tried to buy them. Mm-mm. You can't. Mm-mm. But um, anyway, so I'll make something like that for my brother. I'll, I'll probably just make a real small run. So are you are you wearing uh um have you worn your little pilot's watch yet? Yeah. I wear it uh like? yeah, I wore it today. You like it? Yeah. It's in its little little winder right now. I put uh I put the leather band on mine. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Huh. Yep. I like the leather band better. Oh, on that, I don't on have that. a leather band for it. Your leather band didn't come with yours? Uh uh-uh. uh. Some janky mm. nylon band, I think. Yeah, I got that, and I got that, and I got the leather band, too. Hmm. 
Look at this crazy Look. hand. Ooh. It's pretty wild. Yeah. They put the loops in the wrong place, though. They put the loops too close to the frickin' clasp. Let me see. There's the clasp, and then the loops are right there. Like, it's too close. Hmm. Oh, well. Oh, that's the one where you fold back over. Yeah, I know, but... That it, that clasp will be on, like, the side of your hand, uh, wrist. Yeah, I know, but the, it's still, like, the way it works when you try to, like, run the wrist, wrist uh, stuff back through it, it ends up being too close to where the clasp is. So you can't, hmm. you can't, like, wrap enough through there to make it worth your while to do it, but... Oh. They make different lathe weights. Yeah. Well, they make different length ones. Well, with that, nothing else going on. It's kind of a boring one today. I can't think of a good story. Oh, uh, how about a? How about we talk about a tent? Want to hear about a tent? a tent? Oh yeah, you heard. You just bought a tent. Yeah. So, um, uh, I I'm going on this mountaineering thing, and you kind of have to have a four season lightweight tent. Because we'll be um, camping up on glaciers and up, you know, up in the mountains, like real deal mountain stuff. And so you want a four season tent, but you don't want it to be super heavy. Well, I have uh, from way back in the early '90s. I bought a, uh, I saved all my money, mowed some lawns, and all this. I bought this North Face uh, expedition tent. It's a, basically a really high quality double walled uh, mountaineering tent. Uh, for two people, and it's just bomb-proof. Um, the problem is it weighs like 10 pounds. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is, is um, so I was, I, I just didn't want to, just didn't want to carry that. So I looked, uh, and I was going to rent a tent from these people because they let you rent your gear, and they had all these tents, but they wanted to charge like $200 to rent a tent for the week, and. Uh, that's like half the cost of buying one new. And so I did some research, looked around, and uh, I came up with a a pretty good lightweight uh, mountaineering four-season tent. And it's by a company called uh, Hilleberg, H-I-L-L-E-B-E-R-G. And I bought this, uh, it's a one-person tent called the Acto, A-K-T-O. And the reason I went with the one-person tent is I don't want somebody's stinky ass in there with me. <laughs> I didn't want to share my space. So, and it's uh You're funny like that. Yeah, and it's uh it's uh three pounds is all. So it's pretty good, pretty good little tent. Uh, I'm gonna give it a give it a real good two-week uh, actual mountaineering test here. So hopefully I'll have some news on that how well it performed, but. Everybody that has them loves them, but maybe it's because they paid so much money for them. Well, I used to say that about blue silos. Guys that bought those blue, um, blue harvester silos. What's that? They were, you know, those big blue har- blue silos you see on dairy farms. Yeah, yeah, those. pig farms. Yeah, yeah. Okay, put up high moisture corn with them. Yeah. Okay, those guys back in the day when you could buy a, a regular cement silo for. Let's say ten thousand dollars. Yeah, with an unloader in it. Mm-hmm. One of those blue ones, the same size, would be like thirty-five or forty thousand. Hmm. For the same same storage capacity. That's funny. And everybody that had those 
were always like, oh, these are the greatest things since sliced bread. And everybody else who didn't have them always said, how the hell can they be the greatest things? They cost $40,000. How can they be that good? (laughs) They can't be four times better. (laughs) And we used to always say that the guys that bought those were always too embarrassed to say, yeah, but they're not four times better. Yeah. They're good, but they're not four times good. <laughs> right. Know, I just paid four times as much for something that's just a little bit better than what you got. Yeah. Well, and and, you know, and there's always there's always that. It's like how do you you know, how do you how do you quantify that? You know, how do you how do you make that decision that it's it's four times better, but um I most of the time when I'm when I'm camping, I just use a hammock. Yeah. You know, and then like for for big big stuff where I go out for a long time, I'll bring the hammock and a mosquito net and a tarp and a sleeping pad. And with with those things, I'm uh, I'm able to get sheltered just about anywhere. But but uh, for this, you know, they were saying that we'd be camping on glaciers and stuff and. Yeah, there's no trees on glaciers. Right, and so I was kind of like, well, there goes my usual method. <laughs> so I, I'm yeah. pretty much forced to sleep in a tent for this. But I don't want to sleep in a tent with somebody else. Now, what was the name of it that you got? Hilleberg Acto, A-K-T-O. And, uh, they, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, the, the selling features are that the tent fly is attached to the tent so that when you set it up you don't set the tent up first and then the fly everything sets up all at once and so Hmm. you don't when you're setting it up you don't get rain or whatever in your tent Um, but you can you can obviously you can detach it but it it comes attached and then you know you can unhook it and and set them up separate if you wish like to dry them out or whatever but uh, that was one feature that I liked. Uh, the other feature that I really liked was the weight. And then uh, it's 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 got all these vents and things on it. We'll see how all that works. In theory, it should be good, and everybody that has one likes it. Again, how do you know that they that they really like it, or how do you know that the person's opinion really means anything? <laughs> That's five hundred bucks. Yeah, it's a freaking expensive tent. But my my North Face Mountain tent was that much in the in the early nineties. Yeah. You know, so you know, and I don't know. Yeah. If you got it, spend it. Well, what are you gonna do? Take it, take it with you. Exactly. And then you know, I can always sell it if I want. And then the thing is, is I was gonna have to pay half that much to rent a tent, and then some guy's sweaty, stinky balls were gonna be in there. So I just I just was not interested in that. So I just bought it. Just bit the you know what's, what's what's funny about that company? I can't imagine how many people are taking those that that kind of a class mm-hmm. that they can rent. So there must must be a reason why they have to rent a tent like that for two hundred bucks for two weeks, hundred bucks a week. That's ridiculous. You're paying X number of dollars for the damn class. They ought to give you the damn tent, <laughs> let you use it. Well. Yeah, that's a whole other story. But they, um, it's a it's a very very reputable company. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty much from from the research that I did, it's pretty much the place to go if you want to learn mountaineering. 
Um, not not to take anything away from the other people that I didn't choose their course, but uh, this particular <laughs> one I thought was uh, was definitely reputable. Yeah. Um, not to take anything away from the U.S. Army, huh? Well, I you, you see the <laughs> Army wanting to train me, <laughs> or the Marines? You think they'd take me up for a couple weeks and learn me all the mountaineering stuff? I don't think so. They they keep a they keep a tight uh, <laughs> keep those roles pretty tight. Yep. So have you talked to our friend Chance last couple days? Uh uh-uh. uh. What's he up to? I well, I missed the call from him the other day, and I haven't gotten back with him, and I need to. Probably a- asking you about Blade. No, I don't think so. It's something else. Well, you know, he's teaching a urban survival course uh, that um, is going to start the last day of Blade. So you know, Blade is like what is it? it's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then his course is going to start after Blade closes Sunday and run like Monday, Tuesday type thing. You want to know something? I just got a, I just got an email from that other project that I'm involved with, the shipwreck project. Yeah. That uh, that my dates are now going to clash with Blade. Don't go to Blade. Do the shipwreck I, thing. Yeah, I'm just freaking beside myself right now. There's uh, something's going on, and we got to deal with it, and and uh, we're we're supposed to go and and uh, stay on the island for like five days. Hell yeah, do that. That's way more like, fun. Dirt time is uh, dirt time passes show time any day. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun to go to the show though. But so I so I gotta I gotta reaffirm the dates, but I think it's gonna kink my my blade trip. Huh. Which sucks. So you won't be back in time for Blade anyways. No, no way. And and plus the thing is, is like if I... I don't really have a great reason to go there this year. Um, yeah. Because, uh, like, I just... Uh, I don't have anything that... I don't have enough inventory to make it worth my while to go down there. Yeah. Is, um... Are you still planning on coming up here like the end of the month? The end of this month? Yeah. No, I'm going to be in the mountains. Well, that's the that's until the end of this month. Yeah. It's two weeks. So you're not going to you're not going to come up here and and uh, go I'm, to Boys Blank Island. No, I'm going to do that in June. We're going to okay. do that in June because we got a scout for um, we got a scout for Glib. So yeah, I'll I'll be up, but it's not going to be in in May. It'll be sometime in June. All right. Long weekend or something. All right. How far of a drive is it for you to get here? It's like 14 hours. I might fly Oof. and force you to pick 14 me up hours. in the city. 14 hours? Yep. Why is it farther to go to your place than it is to go to Georgia? I don't know. Probably because they draw the... Uh, <laughs> they draw the map of the United States to make the East Coast look more important than it actually is. <laughs> my my kid left my house yesterday at 8.30 mm-hmm. and pulled into his house at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning with two kids, two babies. Hmm. five, A four-and-a-half-year-old and a, a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn dog. <laughs> you have gas. Don't tell me that. Here she is. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be like a that'd be like a morsel for my dog. I know. Yeah. 
That's okay. Does she bark? Do no, bark? she doesn't. What is it? She doesn't bark. She doesn't shed, and she just wants to cuddle. Yeah. Yeah. And she snorts. Yeah, she snores a lot, but other than that, I. You know. If you okay, so 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 I send my te- I send a uh, I try to call my wife a little bit ago mm-hmm. before we started this, and I get a text message back from her. I can't talk right now. I'm doing CPR. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and I thought. I thought, wow. She could take a moment to send a text message <laughs> in between rescue breaths. Oh man! <laughs> so I'm sure she's going to have some kind of an exciting story tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> trying to think of a good a good story that I've had. Did I ever, did I ever tell you the story of the um, of when I brought a tugboat back from Chicago? Up here, up Lake Michigan. Mm-mm. Well, I've probably heard it, but you haven't told it on the podcast. Um. Perhaps you don't understand it better. Standing in my shoes, it's the ultimate enticement. This is blue. It's a it's a long story, but I'll, I'll do the the quick abridged version. Yeah, the quick. Um, I picked a I picked a uh, picked a tugboat up in in Chicago from a fireman down in Chicago, and it was not a big tugboat. It was a thirty six foot. Um, actually, what it was, they call them survey boats, but they, what they do is they're made to push a barge, mm-hmm. and it's got a Detroit six seventy one on it, and it had a you know big wheel like a thirty inch thirty two inch wheel or something like that. Flanking rudders and and uh, and I'm I'm gonna do some some salvage work with it. I was gonna um, raise logs off the bottom of the lake and do those kinds of things. Use it as a dive boat and yeah, <clears throat> you'd be like on that logging show, swamp loggers you, or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> I know where there's a bunch of really big logs and the state of Michigan won't let me have them. I tried to get a permit and they said no and. So it was kind of retarded, anyways. But but it was a nice experience. I I go down there and uh, by that Tim means that um, he had some bank line that was tarred, and then he <laughs> had somebody tar it again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I picked this boat up, and uh, like I said, from a Chicago fireman. And I, I wanted to run it through its paces before I took off across Lake Michigan because those of you, like, in the middle of the country and up on the East Coast um, and in Florida and in Texas, you know, every once in a while you get hurricanes and stuff, but um, it's not like the Great Lakes. <laughs> Lake Michigan is, like, unlike anything. You'll have 20-foot waves on that, some bitch. They'll well, go you know up over Lakeshore <clears throat> Drive. Did you know, did you know that a... Um, a master's license on the Great Lakes 
is more valuable than a a near shore offshore license in the ocean hmm. near the near near coastal offshore coastal mm-hmm. and the ocean because because the weather is so nasty and the waters become so nasty so quickly that if you're not versed in that you you're going to sink your boat yeah I mean, a lot of the a lot of the ships that that sank up in here were um, were ocean going vessels that just couldn't take the Great Lakes. Anyways, that's going into something else. But so anyway, so I so I before I take off across Lake Michigan and bring it up here, um, I want to put it through its pace. I want to make sure everything's right with it. All the packings are tight. So I'm running it up and down the river a little bit, you know. And and I had I had two friends of mine that wanted to go on this trip with me, and uh, one of them was an undertaker, and the other one was a pediatrician. Hmm. And so, f- ever since then, it's been a kind of a funny joke about. Uh, I was on a tugboat with a pediatrician and an undertaker. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, so we take off about three in the afternoon, and I'm and I'm gonna make it across from Chicago to, and I want to make it to Benton Harbor and refuel in Benton Harbor. And uh, I figured that would be the first leg of our trip, and we're gonna we'll, we'd basically sleep in Benton Harbor. You know, it's probably about a four-hour boat ride. Figured we'd pull in there about seven. We're zipping across the water, and as we start heading out, it starts getting progressively worse. Well, little did I realize that the wind, even though it had been calm in the Chicago area, and I'd been down there for a couple of days. The wind had been blowing like stink from the north, up up north here, for three days. Hmm. And uh, so by the time that, that, that all that water started hitting Chicago is when we were planning on leaving. Mm-hmm. So like I said, we get out of the harbor, we make the uh, probably 3 o'clock lock, and uh, start heading across the water. We're about an hour out, and all of a sudden we start encountering like six-foot waves. Hmm. And then within 15 minutes, we were in 10-foot waves. Jeez. And pretty soon we're in... Now, this is not a big boat. This is a 36-foot boat that's, that doesn't have a lot of freeboard. It does not have... It's not a watertight compartment boat. It's not, you know... It's it's just a... It's a barge-pushing survey boat. Mm-hmm. So finally, I'm looking at my charts, and I'm saying, look, this is... We're not going to make... We can't make this this kind of headway toward Benton Harbor because we're just getting beat up way too bad. I mean, we we were my windshield was in green water, so we were sliding off the back of a wave and hitting the hitting the trough, and and my bow was going underwater far enough to my windshield. Jeez! And then it was popping up, and and uh, I at at this particular point in time, my undertaker buddy, my funeral director buddy. Is getting seasick, <laughs> seasick, unlike I've ever seen anybody seasick in my life. He is just—he's puking. He's—he's he's like, I'm sa- <laughs> He said, "I'm just going to go down below and lay down." And I was like, "No, no, no! You need to stand up here and, and peer out the window and look, pick on a, a dot on the horizon and stare at it, and, yeah. and you know, and not, and not deal with it that way." And he's like, "No, no, I just want to." So. Shortly after that, he's trying to get out of the boat, saying, "I'm I'm just going to jump overboard and make this finish, make this end. I'm done. I just want to die." <laughs> <clears throat> and 
that's no bullshit. I mean, he was yeah. really that. And, and I was like, wow, you're really that sick? And he's like, I just want to die. And so finally I said, I'm, I happened to catch one of the hidden hit in one of the troughs and my pediatrician buddy is a sailor and and I see the green water coming up on the windshield and I said to him doc we cannot be taking that kind of an angle we can't take waves like that we we cannot hit the bottom of these troughs and bury this bow into the into the freaking windshield I said we're going to go to the bottom hmm. and he's like well that's what we do in sailboat I said this is not a sailboat I said, we need to start, you know, and so then finally I, I grabbed my buddy and I set him down. I said, you need to look out to the horizon, grab my charts, start, grab my, my handheld compass. I'm looking at the compass on the deck and I, on the, on the dash and I'm saying, okay, we need to, we need to change our heading. We need to start going this way and taking waves like this where we can be comfortable and start moving down the lake to another port because we're not going to make Benton Harbor. We're going to go to the bottom. Davy Jones locker and whatnot. Exactly. So we end up about two more hours, and we end up in a in a little um, two and a half hours, and we end up in a um, uh, quiet. We end up in a little town called uh, New Baltimore or New Buffalo, New Buffalo or New Baltimore. I don't remember which one. It's the it's the one on Lake Michigan down toward the bottom. Mm -hmm. New Buffalo, I think it is, and. It's a, it's a yacht basin for people that don't go take their boats out on the lake, okay? So <clears throat> it's got these funny pier heads that waves break right on, right at the opening of the pier heads. Hmm. For some unknown reason, I'm not quite sure why it is, but the waves break sideways right on this pier head. And uh, so we're kind of looking around trying to figure out how to get in there. By this time, I'm running the boat and... And and Doc is grabbing the funeral director to make sure he doesn't fall overboard. And I'm just looking, and I'm trying to... I got my window open. I can't see out the front window. I got my side window open. I'm getting drenched because every wave is breaking. It's hitting me on the side of the boat. And, and I'm like, ah, okay, we got to do something here. And there's there's a boat... I'm seeing boat lights in the mouth of the harbor, or in the mouth of the pier heads right between the pier heads mm-hmm. and I and I'm saying okay this is it I'm I'm going in because I can't sit out here I'm getting beat up too bad I'm going to end up on the shoreline and Rod's like well there's a boat there there's a boat there and I said you know what gross tonnage prevails I got a 671 and a 3 foot prop I said anything that's in my way is going to get out, is going to get pushed out of my way I said cuz I'm going through there and I freaking slam my my throttle forward and of course the boat only makes like maybe 10 knots at best you know so it's not like i was like kicking up a big wake and rooster tail yeah <laughs> it was but i just started powering through and um and i get through the get through the pier heads and once i get through the pier heads literally water's breaking on the top of the boat as we're going through i'm just kind of like side surfing mm-hmm. into the into the pier heads so i get into uh get in between the pier heads and i happen to catch the sailboat that's just kind of lollygagging around in the harbor. Yeah. And this is like now. This is like like ten o'clock at night. So the the time frame is is we've been on the water for a long time and and uh, I'm exhausted from just we're all tired from getting beat up. My buddy is so seasick, so sick of being sick. It's not even funny. <laughs> so I so I pull in. I get into the first uh, slip I can find. Tie the boat off. I walk into the yacht club because it's a yacht basin, and there's a bunch of people in there drinking, and I am totally drenched. 
I mean, absolutely, totally drenched. Yep. And every, I walk in the front door, and everybody just like stops and looks. <laughs> every, I mean, it's like the music. It's like that one of those scenes where you walk in and you're like the, you're like the one that's everybody's not expecting to see in the doorway. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so the so I walk in, um, and everybody stops and turns and looks. And I walked up to the bar and I said, I don't. I'd like to know who I talked to about getting a slip for tonight. And uh, the the bartender looks at me and he says, uh, "Where where have you been?" And I said, "Well, we just came in just now." And he's like, "You just came in just now?" I said, "Yeah, we just shot through the pierhead just now." I said, "You know, it's kind of a really kind of a bad situation out there." And he said, Ugh. "He said, you know, he said nobody goes out out there." He said, "This yacht basin, everybody's boats stay right where they're at. They just." They just get drunk and walk around the boats. <laughs> and I said, if they if they just on, on an absolutely bluebird day, they might go outside, but they they never they never really go out and go and go boating. <laughs> and he said, you came in tonight, and I said, I said, yeah, we just got here. And he said, you know what? What are you drinking? <laughs> and I said, and I said nothing yet. And he said, well, he said, name your poison. He says, I got He says, I'll buy you a drink. He said, I can't believe that you just made it in here with the with the weather like this. Yeah. So. Get all squared away, and we end up having hammocks on the deck and hammocks on the dock, and we look like a freaking almost like a shipwreck. Yeah, it was pretty funny. My buddy, my buddy ended up getting the neighboring boat to take him to get some Dramamine, <laughs> and and he OD'd on Dramamine for the next 24 hours when we got the as we got the boat home. That's funny. But I tell you, it was it was pretty wild, pretty wild. Hmm. You don't realize how bad that stuff is. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean the lake, Lake Michigan. I used to, I used to, you know, I lived in Chicago, and I'd go up and down. Uh, I was cheap, didn't want to pay the buck fifty to ride the bus, and so I'd bike up and down uh, Lake Michigan, weather permitting. And so, sometimes, mm-hmm. I mean, there'd be waves that would go right up onto Lakeshore Drive. They would close right. Lakeshore Drive sometimes. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, just huge, big, massive, big water, like Hawaii five O type waves. It always cracks me up too because you got if you think about the shipwrecks that are that are in the lake a lot of them are from the days where they just basically navigated with a compass. Yeah. Compass and a knot meter and uh and a and a watch clock. Mhm. And you would have two boats that would be steaming across Lake Michigan literally run into each other because they were on the same heading. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one's one left Wisconsin, one left one left someplace in Michigan, and they're going to the opposite ports, and they they run their compass so tight, and so they steered by it so close that in a on a foggy day they would run into each other. Jeez, yeah, I mean that's just unfathomable to me. Yeah, that they would that they would do that. You know, you'd think that as big as the lake is, and 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 how. You could steer. I mean, if, I don't know if you ever steered by a compass, but it's, it's not an easy yeah, task to drift. keep on the same. It's not just yeah. that you have to keep the bearing. It's what is the current doing and what is the wind doing, and it, it you'll exactly drift. you'll drift yep, exactly. off of your off your course. Yeah, and these guys would run right into each other. Jeez, it's amazing to me. I mean, I could see in a busy in a in a in a harbor port yeah. or a, in a mouth of a harbor or something, but right in the middle of the lake, huh? Have I but. let's see? Have I told uh, have I told the story of gambling in Deadwood? 
I probably have. Mm-mm. And uh, I got a ga- I got a gambling story too. I, I can't remember if I told that one about the, the, the Indian in the top hat that looked exactly like the guy on Outlaw Joe's oh, Wales. You know, I think you did. Okay, yes, so I won't tell that one. Um, here's, did you? I got a boating story. Did you hear five minutes? Did you ever hear my bucket of blood saloon uh-uh. story? Uh-uh. <laughs> We're in. That's in um, Jackson Hole, isn't it? No, no, it's in um, uh, Lake Tahoe. It's off okay, of Lake yeah, Tahoe yeah. I've in been, Virginia I've been City. To that. That's why I know where in it Virginia is. City. Yeah, I've it was, been there. It was the edge of the Ponderosa Ranch. Yeah, which really was in well, existence. Actually, and, Virginia City, um, Ponderosa, where they filmed it, is up by the lake. So you're yes. you're an hour away in Virginia City right. there, but yeah, right. But the, but the original Ponderosa Ranch actually went from where they filmed it, oh, all wow. the way down to the edge of Virginia Holy City. Holy crap! That, that is huge. That, yeah, it was a huge, huge, huge ranch. Yeah, so they but, owned Carson City. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, my my. Um, well, I don't know if they own. They probably went around Carson City, but they. But Virginia City. My folks used to have a place up in. Uh, in, in North Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the early, in the mid-70s, um, my dad got bit on a um, timeshare. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he, so he got talked into a timeshare for like two years. He wasn't able to go when he wanted to go, and he said, fuck this, I'm just going to buy condos and rent them out. Mm-hmm. So he, so he bought one on Sanibel Island in Florida, and he bought one in Lake Tahoe, northern Lake Tahoe, and he used to rent them out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but they were kind of cool because whenever we would we could go when it wasn't rented, mm-hmm. and um, and he bought them as as an investment, so it was kind of a good thing. But we went to um, one time when we were there, we went to the Virginia City and kind of did the touristy things. It's kind of a touristy town, right? And there was a there was it's a saloon fun, called the Bucket of yeah oh, it was fun there yeah. was a saloon called the Bucket of Blood Saloon okay yeah. now mind you I'm I'm like 15 years old yeah so I'm playing nickel slots <laughs> now this is a saloon people just like a regular real yeah. bar it's like a real casino yeah yeah because it's because it's in Nevada I mean yeah. it's got real slot machines that pay real money they play cards there yeah and I I put a nickel in a slot machine and pu- give it a pull. And I'll be damned if I didn't. It I didn't win. Huh. So, <clears throat> like I grab my little bucket from the bucket of blood saloon, and I shovel all my nickels into my bucket. And this lady walks up to me and she says, can, "Sir, can I see your ID?" And I was like, "My ID? I must have been 16 because I had an ID. I must have been 16." Yeah. And I so I handed her my driver's license, and she says. Hmm, 1959. Now I'm 16, yeah. and I I grabbed it back. To, she said that would make you, and I grabbed it back from her, and I said that would make me 18, and I walked away. Yeah. And so, um, because I after I won, I realized I probably shouldn't have been even yeah. gambling. So I walked up to my and I gave the bucket to my mom, the bucket of nickels to my mom, and I said, "Hang on to these. I'm going outside." Yeah. And she's like looking at me like, "What? What? What?" So I went outside. And uh, she said, she said after that she heard the manager talking to this lady saying, the lady saying, well if he was born in 1959, how old would that make him? And he's like, that'll make him 16. <laughs> so, so I didn't. Uh, so I, so I pulled one over on the bucket of blood saloon. That's awesome. In Virginia City. So I have, uh, 
I'm trying to think of Lake Tahoe stories. There's a um, what's the what's the county that if you if you go from Carson City up to the lake, you're in a county there. It's like a walk something county or whatever. I don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't remember. That's a long time ago for me. Anyway, so um, let me see if I can find it. Um, I spent quite a bit of time out there uh, when I was a kid um, because uh, I had a friend that lived out there, and uh, as soon as I got my driver's license, I was able to... Um, it's not actually not that far from you to drive that way, is it? Yeah, it is. It's two days. It's a. It's quite a day. It's quite a drive. So... If you go um, from Carson City up 50 and then take a right on Highway 28, right, um, mm -hmm. and go along the lake there, um, there's a, gosh, I can't remember the, it's not listing counties on here, but um, anyway, you cross into this other county, and right after that county thing is a little pull-off where you can pull off up in there and park your car. And I'm I'm up there. Uh, I'm like we're like uh, 16 or whatever. I'm like, hey, let's let's go for a hike down to the lake because there was like a hiking trail there. Oh shit! I think I went there. Yeah, right. It's, was there like a big rock? Like in the when you get down to the lake, there's this like ginormous rock. Yeah, out, and you can like, dive just off far of enough. Yeah, yeah, and you can just, dive off just, of there. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was out there for my honeymoon, we went there. Yeah. Okay. So well, th there's something about this, right? So so we're like, yeah, let's go down there, like. <laughs> And uh, we we go down to this, uh, so it's it's quite a hike. It's like a I want to say it's like at least a, a mile hike from, and it's all it's all downhill to the lake there. And uh, it's like a, it's a mile hike from the pullout, and then you you walk down, and uh, you get get down there, and it's a beach, and uh, it's a nude beach. And I'm like 16 years old. I'm like, oh heaven. That's that's that place is called Secret Harbor. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I I I'd, honestly I don't. I could take you there. I could walk you there. Um, but it's a nude. It's an actual nude beach. And and so I was expecting to see all these like young hot bodies and stuff. And there was this big, huge, fat guy. He must have weighed 500 pounds, all naked and stuff. And his butt was nice. everywhere and. Um, and, and that, that was like the only naked dude and like everybody else was like grossed out. And, uh, there was a, a couple, uh, older ladies that were sun tanning and we were just like, eh, whatever. Um, but anyway, we go and there's these rocks that you can jump off of. And this is one of the first times that I ever swam in Lake Tahoe. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, it'll be nice and warm and stuff. Oh, no, no, no. I dive off of that rock into Lake Tahoe, and I just about died. It and it, this was in August, and it was frigid. Yeah. And we, so when when we went there um, on our honeymoon was the end of June. There was nobody on that beach. Yeah. That when we went there, there was it was. Uh, um, I had heard that it was a nude beach at a later date, but it wasn't. But we didn't. There was nobody there. Yeah. So so the the rock that's out in the water. Yeah. We swam out to that and climbed up on it. Yeah, yeah. And it was so cold that after we got out, we're like, I, we don't want to go back. We're like stuck out here because we don't want. Yeah, to go it's back so fucking it was, cold, and it, it's unbelievable how cold that water yeah. is. Yeah, 
Well, it's the the cool thing about Lake Tahoe is the water is like crystal clear. You can you yep. can go. I've I've been out on boats in there, and you can be out in you know a couple hundred feet of water and see the bottom. Right. You know, it's really cool. Um, but uh, and I I've been back there a few times. I actually went out there with uh, my wife on uh, on our honeymoon. So that was kind of neat. Mm, nice. Oh, you did. Yep. We went. We were up in Incline Village. Yeah. And uh, we we saw Superman was was just out. The first Superman was out in in uh, in the theaters. Oh, and so cool. we went. And it was kind of funny because Kathy was fiddling with her wedding ring, mm-hmm. and she dropped it in the theater. Oh no. And it rolled down to the front. Oh geez. Because she has a, she has a fairly wide wedding band, so it wouldn't. So like it's it doesn't flop over real easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, guess who's up? Yeah, well, if you were in if you were in Incline Village, then you stopped by uh, Truckee and saw the bridge where all it's the only I guess it's the only outlet or something from Lake Tahoe, and so all yeah. the salmon's and whatnot and whatever fishies. Yep. yep. My sister actually and my mom and dad actually went uh, rafting on that river. Yeah, and it's like there's crazy huge fish in there. Mm-hmm. That's the only way in and out of the lake for them, and and so it's that's pretty cool. It's called Fanny Bridge mm-hmm. because people mm-hmm. s- sit and look over at the fishies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's you know it's funny too because we when we went out there, we had a like a six o'clock flight mm-hmm. on the next morning after our wedding, or if maybe it was a seven o'clock flight. We had to be at the airport at six o'clock. I remember that. Right. Of course, back then it was fairly easy to get through security. And anyways, so when we get there, it's like seems like it was like seven, eight o'clock in the morning when we got there. Mm-hmm. And by the time we landed in Nevada, or we landed in um, uh, Reno, uh-huh. and then drove up, which is like a, what, a couple hour drive yeah. to get up to Lake Tahoe. Depends on how and, you go, but yeah. And. And so by the time we got settled in and went and got something to eat, we were exhausted. Of course, we were newlyweds too, so we were doing it all the time. But <laughs> we were exhausted, right. <laughs> and and um, so we went to bed. I mean, literally went to bed. It was like five. You know. Oh yeah. It probably was ten o'clock here. But yeah. It was so like you would have, you would have taken eighty down to um, Truckee and then over to Incline yep. Village. Yep. Yep. And uh, so we were just just beat, you know, and. So we crashed, and we woke up the next morning. It was like, it was probably five o'clock in the four o'clock in the morning their time. Yeah. So we hopped in the car, and we drove um, about halfway down the lake to the south. Uh huh. And uh, we were on the west side of the lake. Uh huh. And we watched the sunrise. Pulled off where that um, there's that castle and the island. Yeah. Yeah. Pulled pulled off in there somewhere and watched the sunrise over the over the lake. It was absolutely incredible the view. Cool. Um, and then we ate we ate breakfast in South Lake Tahoe. Nice. Yeah. But but it was a that was a great spot for a honeymoon. Yeah, absolutely. Lake great Tahoe is a come here. Not many people from where I'm at uh, know much about it, but it, it is a really nice. Uh, place to visit and it's great and it's great skiing there well yeah there's you've got more, mount rose you've got um yep. squaw valley it, i mean there's tons it. and tons of them <laughs> well and then and then the other thing is is if you're an outdoorsman that entire place is uh uh national forest 
Yeah. So you know what that it's means. Yeah. You know, you can you can go up in there and nobody can say shit. It's not a national park, it's a national forest. Right. So it's beautiful, beautiful place. The yeah. trees are like the size of freaking humongous. Yeah. Ponder, those big ponderosa pines, pines are pines humongous. Humongous. Anyways, so you got another you have another boat story? Yeah, so um when I was in uh residency at KU there uh, I used to, whenever I'd have a vacation, I'd go and camp at uh, Lake of the Ozarks State Park, uh, which is on Lake of the Ozarks. And uh, uh, I had this one campsite that I got every year, and it's just awesome. Right next to the water, uh, extra big campsite. And I'd, I'd, people would come and see me. You know, friends and stuff would come down and stay with me for a couple days here and there. And uh, this one particular time uh there was this uh cigarette boat hauling ass tearing around out in front of our campsite like showing off you know like some rich dude and his rich dude buddy and they had a couple john benets on board you know and <laughs> they were tearing around showing off this cigarette boat and it's like the miami vice style cigarette boat like fucking huge and faster than hell you know and they're tearing around like showing us a thing or two you know in our tents uh, teeny, teeny penis boat it, right well so anyway um he's tearing around and uh i knew that there was a sandbar right in the middle um because uh i had a kayak and uh, i went i went all up and down there there's a cave across the way from my campsite i used to go back in that cave I knew that there was a sandbar in the middle, and every time he'd pass, he'd, he'd come within like five feet of the sandbar, and he was just tearing around, just being a big dick, like spraying water and everything. And so finally, I'm like, oh man, if he would only run over that sandbar. And uh, he comes by like, like 50 miles an hour and gets right directly over that sandbar. And gets hung up and what does That's he what do what it sounded like probably yeah and and what does he do he doesn't shut the engines off uh he gets hung up on the sandbar and then guns both engines full throttle nice okay so what's the problem there you're on a sandbar with in, in inboard motors where yeah, where do they where yeah where do they draw the Water from Cooling water from yep yep and so he he drew uh, sand up into the water intakes and blew both of his fifty thousand dollar engines or whatever I mean they're five hundred horsepower like watchman oh yeah and so yeah. we had we sat out there drinking beer and watching this all day long and it was nonstop entertainment you know he was trying to be like Mr Big Man in front of the John Benets and all this and. Uh, <clears throat> my friend that was there with me he he's actually a serious sailor and he has some he he's you know kind of anti-motorboat cuz he, he's done like oh, yeah. the Mackinac Island race and all that yeah and like really done it and he's got like yeah. you know all these pictures and hats and stuff but anyway so like he was just like laughing and explaining all this stuff and like 
So then finally, you know, this guy comes by in a jet ski, and they, like, wave him over, and they're, like, begging him to, like, give him a tow off the sandbar. <laughs> and so the John Bonets had to get out of the boat and stand on the sandbar, and they're, like, all pissed off, and they look like drowned rats. And uh, this guy with this jet ski pulls the cigarette boat off, and uh, the the other two, the two douchebag guys were, like, pushing the boat from behind. And... Uh, they finally got it off of the sandbar, bar, and then he tried to start the engine, and like all this smoke and all this crap, it was just not going to happen. Like he he <laughs> blew the shit out of those engines, and nice. so uh, they tow him over this dock that's the state park dock, and we walk down, of course. <laughs> and then the guy gets rub his face in it. Oh, well, so my friend uh, is there, and. Uh, uh, he walks up to him and is looking at the boat and the guy's like telling him all about the boat. And my friend said something like, uh, so, uh, I guess you didn't see that sandbar there, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So like, what were you thinking when you like gunned the engines and like, were sucking up sand into your like motors there, you know, and the guy got the hell out of there. He tied it up and they disappeared. We had a guy, we had a guy that ended up like, 200 feet inland on Lake Charlevoix, running one of those. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was, uh, he was like full throttle, hit the shoreline, flew up in the air, with the, tried to do that, uh, what the hell was that movie where the guy oh, was Oh, James Bond. Yeah. yeah, he's trying to do a James Bond movie. Yeah, Man with the a, Golden with a, Gun, isn't it? With a 40-foot 40, 40 uh, cigarette boat. Yeah, maybe it's And he ended up on the twice. shoreline way the hell up in the top. <laughs> It was it was pretty funny. That's funny. He probably was getting something. Something pro- was probably happening to him in the in the stabbing cabin. Yeah. And the boat was on full throttle, and he just like hit the shoreline going. I mean, that must have been a hell of a freaking bump. Yeah. Ah. Come here. Come here. All right, he's getting antsy. I'm gonna have to go. All right. So uh, I'll, uh, check us out. Uh, Knife Journal at podcast dot com. <laughs> Yep. Podcast.knifejournal.com is the email address. Uh, yep. Send in your emails and uh, there's, we'll there's, like us on Facebook and have fun. There's two active giveaways on uh, Knife Journal. There's a, there's a couple different yep. knives to give away on there. Go check us out. Find us on Facebook and we'll catch you next time. So Keep your friends, keep your friends sharp and your knives sharper. No, <laughs> keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. Um, one one thing I want to say, if you send me an email and say you want to be part of the giveaway, I'm responding to you and saying you need to join the forums and and just post something in there. Yeah. It's it's a lot easier that way. Yep. All right. Okay. Talk to you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye.